morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. It's lovely to have Jenny and Ross back with us today. Great to see you. Our service for the third Sunday in Lent will be led by our Minister Katrina. And as always, everything we need to follow the service is on our printed order and on the screen. Please stay and have some tea or coffee at the end of the service. Our call to worship this morning comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. And so even though it can't make its mind up out there, it's been sunny and rainy and goodness knows what, it's good to be together and to worship God. So if you're able, you're invited to stand as we sing our first hymn, Worship the Lord in the Beauty of Holiness.
And so, having sung God's praises, let us come to God in prayer. And as is our usual practice, after I've led us in prayer, we join together in the words that Jesus taught his friends in the Lord's Prayer, in the language and version that feels the most normal and natural for us. So let us pray together. Loving God, we come to you now from the busyness of our everyday lives. You alone know how much effort it took us to come to church this morning. You alone know what thoughts and feelings swirl within our hearts and minds. You alone know what we will return to when we leave here later today. You alone know what it is that we need to lay down in order to worship you. You alone know our need for rest, for stillness, for quiet, for peace. So, in these opening moments of our service, help us to relax into your presence. Help us to slow our rushing thoughts. Help us to still our hearts and minds. Help us simply to be. We recall the words of the psalmist, making them our own. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters or things too wonderful for me. I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. And as your beloved children, held safe in your everlasting embrace, we speak to you as our parent, as the father that Jesus knew, as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trust us against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever.
going to start off by thinking a little bit about rules. Who has rules um, maybe in the house, in, the ho- in your home, or in your school or college or uni or, or your workplace? And, that, um, and are you prepared to share those with us? Because if you aren't, it could be hard work from here. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. Keep your shirt tucked in. Who remembers that one from their school days? Yeah? Jeff? Uh, so you remember, keep your shirt tucked shirt. So I, I even remember that one. I think it was true for the girls as well. Yeah? No running in the corridors? Who remembers that one? Yeah? <coughs> Katrina? Uh, in Scotland, there was a rule of there must be cake at every meeting. Well, that sounds like a good rule. There must be cake at every meeting. We'll remember that one for the next church meeting, <laughs> shall we? Okay. Yeah. Um, why do we... Oh, sorry, Jimmy. Yeah, um, when my children were small, I decided to um, start a washing-up rotor. Right. And uh, it worked well, actually, because they sort of disciplined each other, but it was a rule that they washed up. The one who cooks does not wash up. That sounds like a good rule. The one who cooks does not wash up. Does that work in anybody else's house? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it works in your, uh, one or two houses. It doesn't work in mine. I mean, you know, if I don't wash up, it doesn't happen. And the cats will rubbish at it. Yeah, so, so we have these rules. And, and why do we have rules? Why do we think we might have rules? Well, the highway code you have is for safety. You don't drive on the left-hand side of the road. Yep, so the highway code is a really good example. Thank you, Ken. So it's there for safety, so that we all know which side of the road to drive on. We all know what to expect when we get to some traffic lights, and if they're red, we can expect the cars will stop. And if the green figure is showing on the Pelican Crossing, then we know it should be safe to cross. So, it's, yep, they're there for our safety. Yeah? Some employers just love bureaucracy. <laughs> <laughs> some employers just love bureaucracy. That is true, Jeff, yes. Um, handbooks and manuals that companies have can be pretty huge, can't they? Um, and yeah, GDPR, that word we're not allowed to say. Um, is everybody quaking when I say those letters? Yeah. 
thankfully, sorry, Andy, were you going to say something? No, I just, oh, you must have just moved your hand and just caught my eye. I beg your pardon. Uh, thankfully, everything that we need by way of rules as followers of Jesus can be cut down to, well, is it two or is it three commands? I think it's probably three. Can anybody tell me what any of those are? Love God, love yourself, and love your neighbour. Yep, that's right. So love your God, Lord your God. Now, this is where my, my vicar friend used to get people doing action. She used to say, with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, <laughs> terrible fun, and with all your strength. And love your neighbour as you love yourself. And Jesus also said, people will know you're my followers if you love each other. So what does that mean? It's easy to say these words, but what does it mean? if we love others as we love ourselves. It's a bit more tricky, isn't it? It means we have to love ourselves, first and foremost, and not everybody's very good at that one. Some people have quite low opinions of themselves or quite low <coughs> self-esteem. It means we have to treat others as we would like to be treated. And that's not always easy, because sometimes it's, you know, there's just one biscuit left. So difficult, isn't it? So, and all you get in that really daft, don't you? You have it. No, 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 you have it. No, 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 you have it. No, 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 you have it. And then you try and break it and you end up with a load of crumbs. So, you know, we can take it to extremes. But loving God, loving ourselves, loving each other, loving our neighbours, this is the heart of what we are about. And I think, you know, when I turn on the news and, and hear what's going on in the world, I think that's a good thing to be reminded of to love each other. And so we're going to sing a song which I learnt back in the Dark Ages. Um, not sure how familiar it is. Um, how many people know the song that's on the sheet, A New Commandment I Give Unto You? Oh, a few people, so I think we should be okay. Thanks, Leo.
Our readings this morning are from the Gospel of Mark. At evening at sunset, they brought to Jesus all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognised them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and, be- and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fishes. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me, do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them.
As Anne reminded us at the start of the service, this is the third Sunday in Lent, halfway along our journey towards Easter. I wonder how you're feeling. It's a long journey, an extended time of preparing our hearts and minds to experience the events of Easter in a way that is meaningful and relevant. My hope this morning is that the way we're going to reflect is going to give us some opportunity to pause on that journey, albeit very briefly, before we set off again. It struck me when I was looking back over the ideas we've explored on the last couple of Sundays that we could actually use a set of alliterative headings to summarise the temptations that Jesus has faced and which are also temptations that may be real for us too. There was the temptation of bribery with the bread. There was a temptation of bullying and belittling when he saw the whole world set out before him. There was a temptation of boastfulness and bravado to go up onto the top of the temple and jump off. Last week, we thought about the temptation of bigotry, of treating people differently because of who they were. And this week's B is busyness. There's an old saying, if you want something done, ask a busy person. A friend of mine said that to me a couple of weeks ago when she contacted me to see if I would be interested in becoming a lay member of a UK-wide body that reflects on how surgery is delivered by NHS hospitals, taking account of best practice. And it did sound quite interesting. And it would have been really tempting to say yes, not least because they were specifically looking to get a lay member from Scotland. And of course, I could have used annual leave to attend the meetings. It was four days a year. It was doable. But for once in my life, I said no. I'm not good at saying no. I think I probably would have enjoyed the role. I think it would have been interesting and I possibly could have contributed something of some value. But at what cost? At what cost to my well-being? At what cost to my calling to serve this congregation? I love being busy. Let's be honest, I am a bit of a workaholic. I'd have to be honest and say, for me, being busy is much more than just a temptation. It actually risks becoming a way of life. I have to be careful not to let that be so. At the start of the year, on the advice of a physio I'd been seeing, I signed up for a weekly Pilates class. The location is such that by the time I walk there and back, and do the class, I will have been out of my house for between two and a half and three hours. I enjoy the classes, they're good fun, and I am feeling the benefit. But more than that, this is a, set, a period of time, about three hours, that I set aside not to be busy. Time for my health and my well-being. Now, Pilates is not for everybody. And exercise isn't for everybody. 
but there is something about the intentional setting aside of self-care that is a valuable antidote to the temptation of busyness. Whatever that looks like for you. Whenever I read the Gospels, and especially the Gospel attributed to Mark, I'm struck by just how busy Jesus is. He's here today, he's there tomorrow, he's healing, he's teaching, he's travelling, he's wonder-working. And then just occasionally, he tries to find some peace and quiet. I am convinced that Jesus knew fine well the temptation of busyness and would even dare to suggest that sometimes it caused a few problems. And we might see a little bit of that in the stories we heard this morning. So we begin at the start of his ministry. He and his first disciples have been to the synagogue in Capernaum, and Jesus has taught. He's healed a man with a demon, and then they've gone to the house of Peter's mother-in-law to stay. And those who are familiar with the the context of that story will know that she had a a fever. She'd gone to bed. She was really unwell. Jesus healed her and she's straight into being busy. She gets up out of bed and she makes a meal for them. And the news spreads. And as evening comes, we are told everybody from the city makes their way to the house. We have to remind ourselves that evening is the beginning of the new day. In, in Jewish understandings of time, evening is, is the sort of equivalent to midnight, if you like, for us. So at evening, the beginning of the first day of the week, people make their way to the house and Jesus heals a lot of them. It's noisy, it's busy, it's amazingly exciting. And surely for Jesus, at least, it must be exhausting. So the next morning... He gets up very early and he goes off by himself to pray. And actually, this is quite a humorous bit of the story because everybody starts looking for him. Where's he gone? Where's Jesus gone? We can't find him. So they all set off and they all go hunting for him. And Peter eventually finds him. And then Jesus leaves Capernaum and he sets off for other villages where he continues to teach and to heal Life becomes very, very busy. There's always a story to tell, a question to answer, a person in need of healing, a journey to be taken. Time passes and Jesus decides that his 12 closest followers are ready to go on a mission without him. And he sends them off in pairs. And when they come back, they're all full of stories to tell him. And they are absolutely mobbed. In fact, we are told it is so busy with people coming and going, they haven't even got a chance to eat. And that's not good. And so Jesus says this famous saying, these famous words, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. sounds idyllic doesn't it come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest let's get in this boat and we'll go somewhere quiet 
Now, I really hope that when they got in that boat, they had a picnic and a chance to snooze, because as soon as they landed at this so-called quiet place, they discovered a huge crowd of people waiting for them. Word has got out, and there are hundreds and hundreds of people there. And it almost seems as if Jesus has forgotten what he said to the disciples. He sees the crowd, and he turns to them. He thinks, actually, they need some teaching. They're lost, they're confused, they're bewildered. They've come to hear what I've got to say, so I'll teach them. Time flies. And the disciples come to Jesus, remind him that it's a remote place, a quiet place. And maybe he should send these people off to get a meal. These poor disciples, they're tired. They've not had their, their break, their peace and quiet. And Jesus says, well, you sort it out. You feed them. It's a story we love. It's a story we learn from childhood. And, and it is a beautiful story in, in the version we learn in Sunday school of the little boy that hands over his bread and his, his fishes and a story of faith and multiplication. But what if we look at it through the lens of the tired disciples and the temptation to busyness? And actually, what seems to have been a broken promise by Jesus Come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Oh, and by the way, whilst we're here, could you just feed these 5,000 people? What should Jesus have done? Should he have focused on those closest friends and given them the rest and refreshment they clearly needed? Or was he right to focus on the crowds? Was he right to say to these tired disciples, actually, come on, I need you do this for me? What this story illustrates, I think, is that there isn't an easy answer. Sometimes it's not a case of a good choice and a bad choice, or a busy choice and a restful choice. It's difficult. Sometimes there is a pastoral crisis that has to be handled sensitively, even if that means we lose time for rest or reflection. Sometimes it is a fact that we will experience a little bit of disappointment because actually somebody else's needs are judged to be more important, more urgent than our own. Maybe as long as it is sometimes, that's something that's okay for us to live with. But if it's usually, if we're usually too busy, usually not taking the time out we need for rest, then something is possibly not quite right. One more story, one more angle to reflect upon. Again, Jesus is surrounded by crowds of people all trying to get near to him. And there are people bringing their children for blessing. And contrary to what I was taught in Sunday school, we're not told why the disciples tried to send them away. We have to imagine. Maybe they think children are unimportant. That would be quite normal in the society in which they were living. Or maybe they think that Jesus is just too busy. He's been teaching all these people. Maybe they think he needs a rest. 
Jesus, as we know, blesses the children. And I've had to think about that one quite hard. But maybe being busy challenges us to think about our priorities, to decide what is really the more important thing at this moment. And that's not easy either. Should Jesus have blessed the children? Should he have spoken to the adults? Should he have taken a break? Should he have gone off with his disciples? Sometimes it can feel like there are lots of conflicting things in our busy, busy lives. As I read the Gospels, it seems to me that Jesus knew fine well the lure of busyness, the challenge of of deciding how to prioritise competing needs, competing good demands on his time. He experienced the temptation to stay busy. And it does seem that he did intentionally make time to go off on his own and pray. But actually, it seems that also meant he had to hide, go where nobody could find him. It seemed to me that Jesus wasn't going to let anybody else define his boundaries. He was going to decide who he would spend time with and how much time. And I honestly think he continued to work out through his ministry what it meant for him to include and welcome those who might have been seen other. In the story we heard today, it it was the children. However, I cannot get away from the fact that the promise he made to the disciples to get some rest and relaxation does not seem to have found fulfilment, at least not on that occasion. And I can only hope that another time, in another place, that nobody thought was important enough to write down, that happened. That those disciples and Jesus got the time out that they needed. I'm really preaching to myself this morning. They say you should always preach the sermons you you need to hear. That temptation to be busy, the challenge of juggling multiple valid options for how I spend my time and a very real need for rest, relaxation, refreshment, renewal, reflection, a whole pile of R's. And I suspect, or do I actually be honest and say I know, that I'm not the only person for whom that is true. It is difficult. It is difficult sometimes for us to do that love for ourselves, that taking care of ourselves, because being busy, doing the good things, doing the godly things, can become so all-consuming. In a few moments, I'm going to guide us uh, through a meditation. But first, we're going to sing quietly and as we remain seated. Be still and know that I am God.
take a moment or two to get comfortable. You might like to put both feet flat onto the floor. You may like to rest your hands on your thighs or to hold them one in the other, palms up, palms down, whatever is comfortable for you. And if it, this is also comfortable for you, I invite you to close your eyes. Otherwise, just relax them. Don't focus on anything or anybody. Maybe with your head slightly tilted down towards your hands or your feet. Become aware of your breathing. But don't try to alter it. Just feel what's normal and natural for you. Perhaps your tummy moves or your chest moves. Perhaps your lips are slightly parted. Just feel your body relaxing. imagination become aware of Jesus approaching you and hear him speak these words to you come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest Where is your quiet place? The place where you can rest. In your mind, go there now and get comfortable. Take a few moments to really experience that place. What is it that you see or hear? What can you smell? What can you touch or feel? And now imagine that Jesus is sitting next to you. What does that look like? What is his posture? Where is he looking? Relax. Save the moment. And if you wish to, in the quietness of your imagination, speak to him about whatever is on your mind. Because this is your time with Jesus. This is your promised quiet place of rest. So allow yourself to relax deeply 
and enjoy the feelings this offers to you. And now very gently and slowly return to this place and this time. If it helps, you can wiggle your fingers or toes or just adjust your posture. And in your own time, just gently open your eyes and start to become aware of the here and now. Jesus is still here with you. And he speaks these words to you. Surely I am with you always in the busyness, in the stillness, in all things to the very end of the age. Now let us bring our prayers for others and for ourselves. Let us pray. O God, our Father, busyness seems to be endemic in our modern lives. We rush from one task to another. We use the word juggle to describe the way in which, we, in which many cope with a variety of duties and responsibilities. In the world of modern technology, we exist in an always-on culture where there seems little escape and even in our leisure hours, we seem to be determined to pack in as much activity as each day can provide. Lord, we pray that we might be granted peace in the midst of turmoil. As we look outwards from our own personal situation, we observe a world fraught with tension as we seem to rush headlong into one crisis or another. Natural disasters like the cyclone and dreadful floods 
in Zimbabwe and Mozambique and Malawi, international conflicts, terrorism and mindless brutality scream out to us from the rolling news bulletins and the daily diet of ever-mounting tension over our nation's relationship with Europe offers no comfort and little hope. Lord, we pray that we might be granted peace in the midst of turmoil. Among all this angst, we would seek to draw closer to one another as a family of your people, seeking to provide comfort and mutual support in whatever challenges and trials we have to face. And so today we would hold up before you the wider international family of our Baptist Missionary Society, remembering particularly the BMS partnership with the European Baptist Federation as it supports church planting, leadership, development, education and community work. In this connection we remember also especially Christine Kling based in Paris who recently visited us. Within the community of concern, we would pray also today for our own Baptist Union of Scotland and, and specifically Cliff Jackson, a regional chaplain, and for the fellowships at Cathcart Baptist and Castle Milk Community Church. May each person and fellowship remain faithful and committed to their work and witness, and may they not weary in well-doing. And in the family of our own fellowship here at Hillhead, we would uphold before you Emma and Drew, Lena and Georgie. May each be aware of your love, and may we draw close to each of them as sisters and brothers of the one Father. Bless them in their work, and grant them strength in all their endeavours. Lord, we pray that these organisations and persons might be granted peace in the midst of turmoil. Finally, we would pray for ourselves. It may not be completely true that each and all are overwhelmed by busyness. Sometimes in our living we are confronted by boredom, by a feeling of pointlessness, by a lack of purpose, or the nagging question, what is it all about? Dear Father, help each one of us to find in you and in your service a true purpose in our life, that we might learn to live out each day with calm resolve and peace in our heart. And so our prayer, in the words of John Henry Newman, would be that God will support us all the day long, till the shades lengthen and evening comes, and the busy world is hushed, the fever of life is over, and our work is done. May we, may we then find safe lodging, a holy rest, and peace at the last. Amen.
loving Lord God, loving Lord Jesus, who has promised to be with us always, we bring these gifts of money, asking them that they will be employed wisely and well to bring your peace, your hope and your love, both here and throughout the world. Amen. Our closing hymn, I will have to admit, I chose for the words, not because I know it, uh, but I'm sure that Leah has found us a tune that we do know to sing it to. Within the busy rush of life, I find a resting place. When I submit to Christ my Lord and let him set the pace, he shows me the way that I should take whatever trials I face. place to return to the demands of a busy and complex world. May God bless us with spaces and places to be still and give us wisdom to employ wisely and well the time gifted to us this day and every day. <laughs>